right. This is a another podcast. Do you recognize that tune? I don't. What is it? <laughs> that is the theme from St. Elsewhere. <laughs> you remember St. Elsewhere? I barely do, yes. <laughs> so St. Elsewhere was like when I was a med student, that was uh, – uh, who's the comedian? How we um, – uh, the the really weird wild comedian. Anyway, Howie he Mandel. Howie Mandel. He was the ER guy in St. Elsewhere, and uh, he always came to work like with a Boston Bruins jersey on. And when I was a resident earlier on, there were like a lot of guys who would come to work with like camis, camouflage pants, and cargo pants, what have you. That was before emergency medicine became very buttoned down. So anyway, um, I'm here with uh, Tony Mazio. It's uh, January 6th, and uh, Tony and I are going to be talking about getting efficient in the emergency department. Uh, Tony, w- uh, Tony is our uh, chair of emergency medicine at Mercy Hospital of Philadelphia and uh, is uh, our major teaching affiliate for the residency. About ha- or On any given day, about a good half of our residents are there learning how to do emergency medicine and critical care. And Tony was a resident here way back when, back in the 40s, right? Back in the 40s. Yeah, yeah it was right nice. Before it was right, before, before, right before St. Elsewhere. Right before St. And so we really count on, to, count on Tony to do a lot of education for our residents. And when uh, Tony and I were talking, we wanted to um, basically uh, get uh, some info out there on how to become more efficient. When we do evals with residents, I would say the number one thing they say, you know, what are you working on today when we do our um, shift cards or whatnot, they'll say, well, I'm trying to get more efficient. I'm trying to get uh, better throughput. I'm trying to get my processes down. So, so tell me uh, from, and you get this question all the time too, um, from your standpoint, you know, what does that mean? Like when, when somebody says, uh, well, this particular guy is like a, an efficient ER doc. Generally, it just means that you can handle uh, the patient load uh, and ramp up your speed when the volume dictates. Mm. So it's you're able to flex your capability and efficiency based on the needs of the department. So you can like match match the effort to the the uh, uh, what's coming in the door. You know, yeah, and exactly. just keep up with what's going on. Do you think people can learn how to do that? Absolutely. A lot of folks feel like you know it's like, well, I'm not good at that. That's not my thing. Yeah, there are some people who get it a lot earlier in their careers than others, but everyone can learn to be more efficient. So mm-hmm. it's sometimes, some people just have a knack for it, Right. Uh, but even the least efficient intern or second year can step it up and, and gain those skills. Yeah, I agree. And, and one of the things that I've observed uh, is that for some people, it is very difficult to learn certain um, skills by just observing others. You know, in other words, they really need those skills broken down into the how-to. Because even though they might work with you, like a resident might work with you and say, like, wow, I really need to move the meat like Tony, they have a hard time figuring out exactly what it is you're doing, like, in an expert way. So I do believe everybody can learn how to do that. You just some, some folks need to really, like, break it down. Let me ask you this question. Who cares? <laughs> you know, like, who cares whether you're efficient or not? You know, you're there, see the next patient, move on. Yeah, that's well, so that's the perspective that needs to change. Everybody should care. Uh, you want to... If you're an inefficient doctor, the ER grinds to a halt when you're there. The nurses are frustrated. The place feels out of control. Mm-hmm. Um, so your the coworkers care, patients care, because if you're not efficient, they're waiting a long time. Right. And efficiency honestly equals revenue for those residents going to an RVU practice. That so is very true. The more efficient you are, the more successful you'll be. So yeah, a lot of residents. This is job hunting season, and residents are out there looking for jobs, and. Um, 
a lot of times it's apples and oranges, right? So they get a straight salary one place and they get a base plus RVU and they're like, wow, I don't know what my RVU is going to be. Um, it would be, it's tough learning those efficiency things when, you know, the first day when you're in an RVU system, right? <laughs> yeah, that's why part of your residency, I mean, you need to become a good doctor first and foremost, right. but uh, you should progressively work on your efficiency so that when you become an attending, you're, it's not your first day at trying to become efficient. You want to gradually in, improve your speed and your efficiency throughout residency so you hit the ground running, for lack of a better word, when you're an attendant. Cool. So you and I talked about this a couple of times, and we came up, I think, with five good things that I think would be a great way to describe the, the attributes of what an efficient physician is. And number one uh, uh, that we um, came up with was that an, an efficient uh, emergency physician empties the bed. What does that mean? Uh, so I think if you see a patient in, initial, in your initial evaluation, you're thinking, what is the disposition for this patient and how do I get there? If you can empty that bed, appropriately, and that's not to say cut corners, right. uh, it's to find a way to get the patient the care they need as quickly uh, and efficiently as possible to turn that bed over. So whether that patient goes upstairs uh, or they're transferred or they're right. discharged, the sooner you can get to that point, the more uh, calm the ED is, right. uh, the next patient can be seen. Uh, so emptying the bed or finding their disposition early and executing is, is probably the number one thing I think to prioritize for efficiency. Yeah, I think the unit as a uh, the ED as a unit values an empty bed when you think about it. You know, because there's no better triage system than just having an empty bed, right? Yeah, you know, absolutely. if you have an empty bed, then you don't need to triage. You just pull patients back and get started. So having an empty bed, I think, is is key. And uh, efficient docs definitely find a way to get that bed empty so someone else can go in it. Um, I think the other thing we identified was number two was that efficient phys. EPs start with the dispo in mind, basically. They walk, they, they, they walk into the room thinking, what is the end game on dispositioning this patient, and what are the blockers uh, to getting that done, right? So a chest pain patient, right, and you're hearing about risk factors, and you're like, wow, this guy's getting admitted. What's going to be my blockers? What do I need to know? Uh, uh, you find that's true as well? Uh, absolutely. And some of that does come uh, for the residents uh, as they learn medicine. So they're right. not going to be able to pick that up earlier. But as your uh, medical knowledge matures and you know what the disposition is, absolutely. I mean, 90% of our patients we see, you can see their disposition uh, upon right. initial evaluation. It's very rare where you're not sure the disposition and it requires testing beforehand. So the further you get in your career uh, after residency, the sooner you can get to that decision point easier your workup's going to be and the more efficient you'll become. Right. I think one of the other things that happens is that on cases that are equivocal, um, they're not slam dunk admits, that you identify what needs to be ruled out to get a comfortable admit for the admitting team, you know. So um, if it's, if you're on the fence, PE versus, you know, ACS, you just realize early on, hey, I'm, I need to put some decision rules, use some decision rules, maybe a D-dimer, or maybe I just got to get this guy's CAT scan, you know, done and read as negative before I can really get that patient admitted. Yeah, and that, that brings up another point that we've discussed, which is the parallel versus series testing. So it's very rare that, I, that your testing should be uh, in series, meaning you're waiting for one test before you order the next. You know, of course, there's things like the urine HCG, which right. is going to totally change your algorithm. But for most patients, if you're doing serial testing, you're just going to delay things. So decide what you need, 
get it done contemporaneously and efficiently as possible, and that, that will give you the information you need to, to make your disposition sooner. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think that, that, that is definitely one of the attributes that instead of saying, like, I'm waiting for the D-dimer to be negative or positive, um, you say, well, if the D-dimer is positive, I'm doing this. If the D-dimer is negative, I'm doing that. And then you start looking at those things and saying, if, if, the, if the result is the same, then I'm not waiting for the D-dimer anymore, right? I'm, well, I'm just going to move ahead with whatever testing or disposition that I'm, that I'm going for. Um, another thing, uh, uh, self-assessment. How does a, a ED, uh, an efficient ED uh, physician sort of say to himself, like, how am I doing? What, uh, was I an efficient doc today or was I not an efficient yeah, I, I doc? I think if, if you operate in a vacuum where you don't look back on your productivity, on how many patients you see that shift or uh, a trend, that, then you really, you don't know how efficient you are. So, you know, I liken it to an athlete who, mm. you know, looks at their stopwatch sure. to see how fast they're running their mile. I think... Uh, you know, interns should look at themselves and say, how many patients am I seeing per shift sure. early in their training? And with an intention of ramping that up uh, as, as they safely can tolerate over the course of their residency. And then even as a young attending, I think you right. need to, you know, pace yourself and see how many patients you're seeing per hour. Look at ways you can possibly see more safely. Um, and I think by tracking, by, by measuring your own productivity in itself will help you improve. Yeah, the one thing about EMRs nowadays is that you can actually do a look back on your shift and just see, you know, they have ways of chunking that out for you. Um, <clears throat> a lot of residents will just grab stickers, you know, labels and put them on a piece of paper as they go through their shift. And little simple things like that. If you have an eight-hour shift and as an intern you look down and there's five labels on there, you probably are below average. Uh, I think that studies show that an intern should be about a patient an hour through their shift. And um, uh, a more advanced resident should be more than that, maybe a patient and a half. Uh, one, of the, one of the dilemmas, I think, uh, transitioning from your third year as a resident to um, an attending is that you go from that roughly a patient and a half to an expectation of two and two and a half being the minimum. <laughs> and so everybody gets that sort of like culture shock at how fast they have to move once they get out of residency. I think that post-graduation, you, you, it's like drinking from a fire hose. You, you're, you're stuck with the I'm, I'm the last ditch decision making, and you also have to see more patients. So it all, right. that's why it behooves pay, uh, residents to see if they can get to an attending speed by the time they're third year to get comfortable with that, so that they can, you know, go the next step when they're yeah, attending. Yeah, nice. So I think um, well, we talked about a couple of things for the intern. You know, tracking your numbers and roughly about a patient an hour across this shift, and measure it. And you'll probably, if you just start measuring it, you'll probably actually get faster. Um, uh, we talked about some other concepts for like the more advanced resident. Uh, and one of the concepts I thought was pretty interesting is what what we ended up calling pick up two, right? So you have multiple patients to be seen instead of just saying all the time like, well, I'm always seeing the next patient either by weight or by acuity you pick up two talk a little bit about picking up two patients at once yeah so uh, you know i think this is something for the senior residents to work on or, or a, an advanced intern you don't want to get too many balls up in the air and, and have the place the wheels fall off the place yeah, so sure. you know but as you mature in your training uh picking up two patients at the beginning of a shift after you take your sign out um is a good way to work on your multitasking sure. uh, and your efficiency. You know, if you're picking up two sick patients, it's not it's not the right thing to do. So often you might consider picking up a sick patient right. and a not so sick patient so that you're not pulling yourself too thin. 
Um, sure. And again, this all goes back to the dispo, right? So if you have two people who are ready to leave right. the department or get admitted, that's not the time to pick up two new patients. Right. Get those patients dispositioned because that has a whole cascade of actions sure. that require time. Um, but if you have no one who's ready to be disposed and you're, you're feeling comfortable with the acuity, then you know, pick up two and see how you can juggle those. Um, and do that progressively throughout your residency until you're comfortable with that. Right. So generally with the sick patient, you go in the room, you get things started, and there's a lull, right? You know, you either have a metastable situation, like, well, you're starting fluids, or you're doing this, or you're doing that. Um, that's when you can squeeze in a non-urgent patient and, <clears throat> you know, maybe uh, turn them around without any studies, um, you know, uh, a UTI, an ankle sprain, or something along those lines, and you can turn over two patients and, and get back to um, – Rule number one, which is uh, efficient docs, empty beds uh, in the emergency department. So I, I think that's a great strategy, and I think that residents feel um, a little bit hesitant to do this because they feel like that they always are obligated to see the next sickest patient. But I do think that your obligation is to the efficiency of the ED as a unit, you know. So um, many times uh, picking up two and not having them both be the sickest patient is actually the smart thing to do, do not not also just the easiest thing. Um, another one I get, I tell residents all the time is leave the room with a plan. I, I, I see the residents in the room getting an H&P, uh, and they walk out and they do a sort of consideration. Then they have to go back into the room and sort of rethink that. Uh, do you find that you like like to get in there, get everything done, and just walk out of there like this is what I'm trying to do? Yeah, I mean, it, it all depends on the status of the ED, but if there's no other fires that need to be put out, absolutely get your information that you need. And this is simple things such as what are you here for? Do you need a work note? Do right. you, you know, yeah. uh, you know anything else I, you, that you need from me before I get your papers together? Otherwise, you're running back for work notes and right. refilling all the double checking and allergies and, like and all so, sorts of crazy stuff. Uh, you know, that's that's very important. Right. Um, I think another topic that that has to be said is is ordering tests that aren't going to change your disposition. Sure. So you know, ordering labs that you know in your heart of hearts is not necessary. Well, that, that's going to add an hour and a half to the patient's yes, day. Right. So if they don't need the test. Don't order it because then you have to wait for it. Same for CAT scans right. um, and x-rays. You know, If they don't need these tests, it's better to spend one minute writing a chart that says why they don't need this mm -hmm. than it is waiting an hour and a half for a test result you know is going to be negative. Exactly, exactly. Uh, red flags. When are you um, uh, over your head, you know, when, when you really need to stop taking on more patients? Yeah, I, I think so. That's With time, you'll, you'll start to feel when you hit your saturation point. If you have so many balls coming down at once and you're not able to disposition someone who's ready to go mm -hmm. because you're taking phone calls and, and you're, 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 you're taking data points that are coming back, then you probably push yourself too far. Mm -hmm. uh, as a resident in particular, you should make sure that you're dispoing people when they're ready and right. you're not saying, that guy's got to go home, but I have an hour's worth of work to do on other patients before I can send him Right. Home. I think uh, just as a rule of thumb, I've noticed, especially with trainees, that when you have five or six active patients, like active folks that have open issues, open imaging done, and what have you, you are probably at your saturation point. And most of the, the house officers I see, um, that's where they kind of really start grinding their wheel. So I tell folks, like, if you've got three in sign out and you're at the point where you just, you, you know, you're partway through your shift and it usually hits about halfway through, 
and it's five or six active patients, you need to buckle down and start dispositioning people before you start picking up new patients. I think yeah. it's pretty important. I think as, as faculty, we, we recognize that if the resident has a lot of active issues, they're not doing themselves any good right. by picking up new folks. Uh, they, they need to take care of the people they have. And that right. goes for sign-outs, too. If you inherit six active patients on sign-out, yeah. then you, you may not be able to pick up two people when you get That's there. Right. But it's important to dispo the people you have in your queue, uh, again, before you take on more volume. Cool. Well, let's just recap that. So, you know, uh, efficiency is something everyone should care about, um, number one. Number two, you can learn how to do it. Um, it's not just a lot of running around and, you know, uh, just working faster and faster and faster. It's actually some definite attributes. Um, try to empty the bed, you know what I mean? Keep the ED place, uh, ED running. Um, walk in and start thinking about dispositions and anticipating uh, blockers to that disposition. Keep track of your efficiency. Uh, anticipate, you know, next steps, and do things in 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 serial versus uh, don't do things in serial versus do them in parallel. Like you know, get the testing started and get the emission process started at the same time. Um, I always like to talk about Rich's rules. There's three rules. Try to make a diagnosis. Number two is rule out an emergency, and number three is determine if the patient is sick or not sick. And that helps me get efficient in the emergency department because. Many times I accept early on that I'm not going to be able to make a diagnosis. And a lot of the sign-outs uh, that I get from other attendings where the patient is sort of in, in jam shack uh, is because they've been trying and trying to make a diagnosis, right? Well, the CT was negative, but now we're doing an ultrasound. Or the first test was negative, so we're just sending another blood test. And that's when you need to say, like, look, is there an emergency here? Is this a sick patient? If it's a sick patient, they're coming in. <clears throat> pass the baton to the admitting team and let them know what's you know yet to be done. I think that can be very helpful when you get in complex cases. Yeah, I, I agree. And you know, I think there's one more important thing to, to remind the, the residents about is that there are three things that really make uh, what people respect as an, uh, an efficient and a good ED doc. One is quality. Mm. Two is your personal demeanor and sure. how you interact with patients. But yeah. the third is clearly efficiency. So right. if if you're always the person who has a quote black cloud and the ER falls apart right. when you're working, well, it's mostly not going to be luck. It's probably going to have something to do with your efficiency. So yeah. if you can keep that in mind as you work on your bedside demeanor and you work on your quality and your medical knowledge, you'll, you'll turn out great. Yeah, I was talking to somebody the other day and they said, like, oh, I had a shift. I was waiting for like six CAT scans to get done. And I thought to myself, I can't remember the last time I ordered six CAT scans in a row. <laughs> Yeah, so, I, I yeah. suppose there are some shifts where that's necessary. It, there's but, uh, definitely bad luck, but there's definitely uh, luck that you make bad for yourself. Correct. So no question about it. All right, great. Uh, I love that. That was fantastic. And uh, thanks for helping out in the podcast. Of course. All right. Thanks for having me. You bet.